Oh, yeah. And if you let your boy BC digress for a second, I got something new to tell you about. How about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe, right? How about a vehicle equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family? And if you're looking for features, the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has you covered, like available H-Trek all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some of that mud. And with standard third-row seating, you can make sure the whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads make sure no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Make sure you can worry less about the rugged terrain to come. Want to learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Head on over to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It's a 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Hi, everybody. It is approximately 1.11 a.m. East Coast time. My name is Luke Thomas, and this is the official Morning Combat UFC 274, and I think we will get to a little bit of Canelo post-fight reaction show. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, it is just me at the moment. Currently, as we speak, my co-host, Brian Campbell, is upstairs talking to CBS Sports HQ. But the instant he is done, he's going to come back down here. He paid close attention to the Canelo fight. He'll give us some of his thoughts on that when we get to it. But first, Hi, think, everybody. whoa, Jesus, let me turn this motherfucker off. That's awful. There we go. Here we go. Okay, now it's better. All right, just to catch up here one more time. Thumbs up on the video. Please hit subscribe if you are watching this. We just did a companion uh, alongside of it, but this is, of course, going to be our official post-fight show. We will react to all the results. Let's start with the UFC and not a moment to waste. So I would like to tell you that the winner of the main event is the UFC lightweight champion, but it did not work out that way. As we know, whatever you make of what Arizona did or did not do, depending on your perspective, Charles Oliveira, if he won tonight, was not eligible to win the belt. There was going to be a fight, as we all knew and saw, and he was uh, eligible to win the fight, but not the subsequent title that would be conferred upon him by virtue of missing weight. That is in the past, whether or not or should be in terms of the weight miss. There's nothing they can do about that. But Charles Oliveira goes in there and does basically, um, I won't say the impossible, but the goddamn impressive, if ever there was a moment to be impressed, this was it. Absolutely phenomenal job by him. Let me pull up the results on to get them quite specific, if I may. So in your main event, which took place, by the way, in Phoenix, Arizona, at the Footprint Center, Charles Oliveira defeats Justin Gaethje via rear naked choke at 322 of round number one. I am looking at the stats. I obviously watched it in real time with the rest of you. You can see my reaction if you care to. So I didn't get a chance to really closely examine the footwork, closely examine some of the shot selection, but we do have some broader things to go back to. The numbers are kind of interesting, but this is the story of the fight itself. They were slugging it out in close range, and Justin Gaethje was, was, was hammering him. Fight metric has currently only awarded him one knockdown. So there was one clear knockdown that happened by Justin Gaethje, I think off a left hook. But either way, he dropped him. Justin Gaethje did not follow him down to the ground, which was quite wise. And then a subsequent time, it looked like he landed, and there was, as the broadcast noted, something of a delayed reaction, so he then falls subsequently. Again, Justin Gaethje not really following. There was also a moment kind of in, in that fight as well where they locked up off of an overhook from Charles Oliveira, and he pulled guard, but he wasn't really able to get anything going as Gaethje disengaged. So one of the downsides to Gaethje's style, granted, you would you would never really want to go into Oliver's guard if you can avoid it, Paul Felder notwithstanding, he was able to make it work. But one of the limits to Gaethje's style is that when he gets an opponent hurt, in the case of someone like this who's got a real submission threat, and because that portion of his game appears to be, in Gaethje's case, very underdeveloped, he can't really follow up. He can't really follow up with subsequent strikes, which is the opposite of what happened with Oliveira. He was able to then drop Justin Gaethje with a hard, straight right hand, it looked like, sat him down, and then as Gaethje stands to move, what did we talk about on Friday's show? You don't have to take Gaethje down, you just have to create back exposure. Back exposure in this particular case was created by a Gaethje trying to get back to his feet, and it was all Charles Oliveira needed. He sat to what, like a, what's called like a, Senkaku is any time that they cross their, their, not their bicep over their hand, but their legs. So he crosses up his legs, one of the arms trapped, the left arm trapped of Justin Gaethje, the right arm free, 
it looked like Oliveira was trying to go for a triangle from there, maybe a triangle armbar combination, although kind of above and around him, and it didn't work. Gaethje was able to kind of scramble through. However, Oliveira re-scrambled, got the back again, snatched him off of his base, locked in the choke. There was a bit of a hand fighting. I thought he might have switched to the gable grip. He didn't. He goes back to the bicep grip, and that was all she wrote. Chokes him out. Boy, quite, quite, quite poetic, I suppose I might say, that Oliveira was accused of being a quitter, and in the end, he was the one who forced Justin Gaethje to tap. Boy, that is impressive, man. Charles Oliveira, he is... He is truly remarkable. He got dropped against Chandler. I think he got dropped against, let me go back and double check that. I'm going to look up the stats here on Fightmetric. He got dropped against Gaethje. They didn't credit Chandler with a knockdown, but you can well imagine what you saw in the first round, you know, more or less counsel in that regard. Um, And then, hold on just a second. Uh, No, I'm on the wrong fight. What am I saying? He dropped Gaethje. He dropped Poirier. And again, they didn't count the one against Chandler, but you guys all saw what happened there. um, Actually, Oliveira got dropped and had to come back in the second. What I'm trying to make here is it is remarkable. Actually, I thought, thought, yes, excuse me, what am I saying? Poirier did drop him. Gaethje did drop him, yes. So he got, you know, I would say badly hurt in the Chandler fight, badly hurt in the Poirier fight, badly hurt in the Gaethje fight, and yet he won all three of them. Not only did he win all three of them, he ended up KOing Michael Chandler, submitting Dustin Poirier, and submitting Justin Gaethje. Let's just be very clear about it. Whatever title is conferred or not conferred, whatever the Athletic Commission did do or not do, whatever you want to make of those things, we're all entitled to our opinions. You can piece together the facts of them as we best understand them, and come to, to some kind of conclusion if you like. But the reality is that Charles Oliveira is almost certainly, and it seems to be quite clearly on this night anyway, the very best lightweight in the world. Um, to do what he has done now in 11-fight win streak, I'm going to go through it one time here. Since losing to Paul Felder, who went into his guard in December of 2017, he, let's see, submitted Clay Guida. He submitted Christos Giagos, he submitted Jim Miller, he submitted David Tamer, he knocked out Nick Lentz, he knocked out Jared Gordon, he submitted Kevin Lee, he decisioned but dominated Tony Ferguson, he KO'd Michael Chandler, he submitted Dustin Poirier, he submitted Justin Gaethje. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, that is an absolutely insane run over the course of roughly five years. Absolutely remarkable Four years, actually, and some change, whatever, four and a half, that he could pull something like that out. That is truly epic. And not just doing it with one-way traffic because he was so good he couldn't be touched. Actually digging himself out of serious spots. Maybe not so much in the case of the Ferguson fight. And the Lee fight, you know, was competitive early, I suppose, something like that. But since then, against Chandler, against Poirier, against Gaethje, you saw what Chandler did tonight. We'll talk about him in just a minute. And you already know the quality of Dustin Poirier. In the case of Gaethje, interim champ. In the case of Poirier, interim champ. In the case of Chandler, certainly a Bellator champ. You know, these are guys who are decorated, experienced, veteran, well-rounded, talented, athletic competitors. And he is finishing all of them. That's your best lightweight on earth right there in terms of an evidentiary case for it. Maybe Islam Makachev will beat him. Maybe he won't. Either way, the guy who you can crown as clearly the best in class is this guy. That is just remarkable what he did. And we go back to Friday and everything that happened. Again, we go back to the two sort of scenarios that need to be mentioned. If you guys can kill this TV, that'd be great. The two scenarios, of course, with the athletic commission were with the weigh-ins. Did they hold them at the appropriate time given their rule set? Attorney Eric McGracken over at Combat Sports Law has maintained that they did not. So there's a whole question about the legitimacy there. There were some other issues in terms of ankle wraps and, and whatnot that I had noticed that other regulators and officiants had pointed out from other states that Arizona was not obeying their own rules. I mean, this is not a very prestigious commission, to be quite clear. And then, of course, you had the issue of the scales and were they calibrated and did the guys know and were they supposed to be and should there have been better communication? There's a whole lot of problems with that as well. And it did, in fact, make a big difference. Charles Oliveira will not obviously have his win bonus taken away, but he will be fined 20%. He will not be eligible, by the way, for any performance bonus. So you might imagine, well, geez, you do what he did to Justin Gaethje. Maybe they'll give him a financial reward for it. Maybe they'll give him one off the books, but he's not eligible for one in terms of the fight night bonuses because he missed weight. It doesn't matter if you win. You can't get the extra bonus if you miss weight, so that hurts him there as well. But that was a triumphant performance. 
to stand in there with Justin Gaethje. And I didn't know if that was the right way to play the game, but he did it. He did it. He did it. And again, I go back to the fact that Justin Gaethje is such a force to be reckoned with. On the other hand, you know, styles make fights, as we all know. And because he couldn't really follow up with a hurt Charles Oliveira on the floor for fear of the massive skill disparity in the jujitsu department, it, it actually hurt his ground pound. It actually hurt his capacity to, to make the most use out of knocking a guy down like that. Let's look at some of the numbers here if we can. And again, if you're just joining us, I am Luke Thomas. We are expected to be joined by Brian Campbell here um, as soon as we can be. Charles Oliveira targeting 60% to the head, 36% to the body, just 3% to the leg. The leg kicks of Justin Gaethje early looked like they were going to be a problem. Justin Gaethje going 61% to the head. So they were both head hunting at roughly the same rate. But the big difference is the switch. 36% 36 to the body for Oliveira, 23% to the leg for Justin Gaethje in terms of his targeting. I thought that was going to be important, and it was. But Oliveira was able to find his way into boxing range, back Gaethje up where he couldn't throw. Gaethje looked to me like, you know, Michael Chandler was talking about his lack of composure fighting Justin Gaethje and not getting the best out of himself um, as a consequence. On the other hand, it looked to me tonight like Justin Gaethje was a little bit overextending, a little bit exuberant, and maybe not applying his game plan with the same kind of precision and perhaps, you know, um, offensive discipline as he should have. And so I think that cost him as well. Well, looking here at takedowns, Oliveira was 0 for 1, although he did have the guard pulled. The two sub attempts, as I mentioned, switching. Uh, well, I guess, though, no, the one would be the. I don't know if they're counting the rear naked choke, then the loosening of the grip, then the rear naked choke, or if they're counting the triangle arm bar from before and then the rear naked chokes as one. I don't know how they call that. But um, just, just more well rounded more well-rounded skill from Charles Oliveira. Um, defensively, I thought both were playing a very dangerous game. Both were kind of assuming one guy's attack was going to fold before the others. But Charles Oliveira putting pressure on Gaethje, taking away the leg-kicking game, uh, and then landing a perfectly timed right hand, dropping him. Dude, once he dropped him, it was that the fight was over at that point. It was over. There was nothing Gaethje could do. The, the, the massive skill disparity on the ground made that one impossible. Um, so, you know, it's amazing that it took, what, Dustin Poirier into the fourth round to win. It took against Gaethje. It took Eddie Alvarez right up until the end of the third, I think, to beat Gaethje. It took Habib inside of two, although Habib took less damage. Let's be clear about that. And it took Oliveira less than four minutes. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's not that he is invincible. It is not that he is, uh, he is not so dominant a force that you can't do anything to him, but he is so dominant a force that you can't do enough to him at this point to make it count. And by contrast, he is, it's, he, you know, there's two things that really sort of stand out to you about this performance from Charles Oliveira. One, he has clearly worked on his composure under fire. Um, he's worked on his defense too, although I think he let some of that go in the interest of the fight itself, but he has worked on his composure. So the bottom of the fight doesn't drop out in the same way that it used to. <clears throat> Not that he's invincible, he's getting hurt, but it, the fight doesn't like get away from him too far. And then on the other side, his offensive potency has grown to such a degree that he is just so much more capable of not really returning fire, but really bringing a well-rounded game to threaten ev not every. He can create so many more threats and so many more opportunities from even the slightest amounts of offense that have success in ways that other guys can't. Uh, and he was looking to clamp on to get the guillotine choke in these various uh, clinch conditions. But that's what's amazing about, like, Charles Oliveira. You want to box with him at range, he can do that. You want to kickbox with him, he can do that. And then what he loves to do is force some kind of clinch scenario where if you're really going to resist and come up straight, he's going to go to your body. And if you kind of try to hunch over and then protect the body, he'll wrap up like he did with, you know, uh, Kevin Lee shooting into him, wraps up the guillotine and closes the show. Dude, you have very little space to hide with him. So you can hurt him. You can hurt him. But you have to do more than just that. you got to hurt him several times. You have to be consistent. 
through several minutes. You cannot expose your back on any level, whether he creates the scramble, whether the scramble was a function of getting knocked down, any of that. You cannot show your back to him at all, or it is going to be curtains for you at this point. A devastating finisher who has made all the things he was good at even better and added more dimension to his offensive game and tightened up the part of his defensive game where he can't eliminate seemingly the, the like he still gets hit a lot, but what is the significance of getting hit a lot before it would send everything crashing downhill. Now he can hold on through the rough seas and then swim in a much safer and, and, and more stable direction. And the results speak for themselves. Now, after the fight, my understanding is I didn't hear the audio, but I'm looking on Twitter. My understanding is that he told uh, UFC commentator Joe Rogan that he was looking for, uh, you know, to reassert his name in the division and had called out Conor McGregor. Boy, I got to tell you, my interest in seeing a Conor McGregor fight ahead of Islam Makhachev is close to zero. Here comes the man himself, Brian Campbell, basking in the glow of that Bivol pick, which we'll get back to a little bit later. Let's sit him hey, down. This is our post-fight show? This is the post-fight show. We have to switch gears here. All right, let's reintroduce it. Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell. We are here in Jersey in the Morning Combat Studios. I'm tired as fuck. We I don't want to tell the directors to put me on. There we are. There okay. we are. Okay, so you did your CBS is Sports. Is this the same show we did earlier? Let's get through this. I'm so tired. Your CBS Sports HQ hit, more or less. It, no, we switched streams. We switched streams. So let's get your reaction first to UFC. Let's talk about it. Justin Gaethje getting submitted by Charles Oliveira, I mean, boy, but but dropping him twice. Did that early part go the way I thought? You know, with, with even before the weigh-in issues, could Gaethje come in and just be that? You had thought he was going to do that. And he just did that. be that gunslinger you 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 don't mess with. You know, did Canelo reach to a bridge too far? I thought eventually Oliveira, if he's going to come in against these killer action fighters and be willing to go toe to toe, it's going to catch up with him. Boy, did it look like it did early. He got dropped twice. I'm sure you talked about that. But how do we like? How poetic, by the way, that Gaethje was the guy who accused him of quitting, and he and, made and Gaethje he submit afterwards. I mean, give Gaethje credit for working his way out of that first choke, but that second one, tight, deep shit, you're done. Everything that we say about Charles Oliveira, um, wow, this guy going deep Sorry. into my ball pocket right there. Um, <laughs> everything that we say about him, it, it, it's true. The guy's an absolute savage, a badass, and Luke, he's just wired to be willing to swim through the shit better than anyone else to be the one who gets his hand raised. And we have to give him that credit, weigh in fiasco or not. He went in there against one of the most dangerous fighters of this division's you know, modern era here. And just like he did against Poirier, just like he did against Chandler, right. took the best shots. Of course, vulnerable in that moment because you stand and trade with those guys, that's gonna happen. But he's able to block out. I mean, you know the bad the bad press he took in the last 24 hours? You know the, the odds changing? We, gave, I mean, we should be honest, we gave him some bad press too. Like absolutely, and, 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 and I think, you know, regardless of what the cause of that is, it's 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 still deserved bad press, in my opinion, when a champion loses their scale, their, their, their belt on the scale, no matter whose fault it is, okay? But good Lord, that's how you do it, Charles Oliveira. That's why, you know, you could be in a spot to win 11 in a row and have your last three, four fights be finishes over Killers, former interim champions, former—I mean, it's just—it's just unbelievable, Luke, that he is that dangerous, that dialed in, that that wired for greatness. He is everything that he says he is, and I think he's everything that we we so should why we should have been saying he is I, only I, okay. I picked only, him to win. I picked him to win. I didn't, I, we by were, the way, Hossack, I picked him to win, and then we did CBS Sports HQ after the weigh-in incident, and I didn't change my pick. I kept it at Oliveira because I just felt like. That probably was the way. I didn't think it was going to go quite like this. To no. be quite honest with you, I mean, who, who can say that? But I didn't. I didn't give up on him because he's so talented. This is the question for you, BC. Mm -hmm. This, those two knockdowns five years ago would have made all the difference. He would not have come back. Why is he able against Chandler, against Poirier, against Gaethje? It's not like he's not getting hit, yeah. dude. He's getting thumped. Why is he persevering now? What's the difference? I think it's because he found out how to completely max himself out. And when fighters can get to that point where they legitimately believe that the hard work they're putting in is 100%, that everything's sort of coming together perfectly, there's a confidence level and a resolve that can be built inside of you. I mean, look, the swagger of knowing you're in the prime of your career, of your walk in that moment, you know, that can give you some, uh, you know, unnatural confidence, which you need to, to, to swim at this level. But look, at the end of the day, 
you're, you can either get dirty and win a fight in a foxhole or you can't. Some guys have been able to be champions without that resolve, right? Because they're, they're used to winning fights in which they hold the control. Yet here's a guy who basically is saying, you know, not necessarily reckless, but I will take constant chances at one after another. And, you know, why is it all coming together for him? Probably because he's gone through the hard road to get here. He missed weight a ton of times at featherweight. He got criticized for being a quitter. He won just as big as he lost against big names. But he's figured it out. And Luke, you know, how can pilots under pressure land, you know, Sully Sullenberger land in a plane in the tight river? How can people in stressful situations figure a way out figure a way out of it but figure a way to stay poised dude that's what Oliveira did how many people after they get dropped twice in the opening round of a fight in which they lost their title on the scales go oh shit i bit off one too far this guy's going to come in there and finish me only somehow Oliveira was able to spin it back and expose the one sort of gaping hole in Gaethje's game and then get him out of there like that it's a different level mental toughness, but I don't think you can get to that different level of mental toughness until you figure out how to beat this game. And by this game, I don't necessarily mean finishing everybody in the top seven of your division. I mean, figure out how to get the best out of yourself, get out of your own way and do it. I, it naturally, some of us stopped predicting him to win because it's hard to keep that up at this level. But who? The, what is he made of, Luke? the hell is this guy made of? It's amazing. He is tight. You know, he, he, like, Noguera didn't lose his composure under fire, and he had a rock chin. It is amazing to me that Oliveira, well, he can't say he has the rock chin of Noguera, no. Yeah. But to be hurt these ways, and then to calm down, and then go, it's not like he's going these wild shots afterwards. They are aggressive, and they are forceful, but, like, think about the shot that dropped Chandler, that left hook. It was precise. Think about the right hand that dropped uh, Gaethje tonight. It was precise. I forget what exactly he did to, to get um, uh, Poirier into the compromised position, but none of this stuff is landing by accident. Right. So the fact is he doesn't have the ability from a physical standpoint to withstand the damage, but he has steeled his mind. He is a – dude, he is a believer in his skills. It's, dude, that mental confidence at Holy that level shit. is a superpower at that level. It at really that is. Level. It, it, you, you, he, you cannot come back from being knocked down Justin Gaethje twice unless you know you can beat that guy and you firmly believe you are, you are going to. Dude, has there ever been a fighter on this level who takes as many chances as Oliveira without committing the type of mistake in that moment that leads to him getting finished, right? Like with the bend that not but not break thing. You can hurt Charles Oliveira. You can drop him, but you can't land. You can't press that button of self-destruction. He's able to, you know, swim in those choppy waters and 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 keep that last thing under control that that will get him to quit. That will get him to to be finished. No one ever gets there. So I wonder how many He's times. He's the king of the rope dope kind of. It, that's that's exactly what it is. It's, it's sort of a modern day rope dope in which you know imagine the emotions that his opponent goes through of dropping him. Feeling like I've got this, only he's he's level-headed under. We should go back to our like debate again. Like, listen, I was wrong about uh, Canelo. You were completely right about Bivol. So uh, I have some crow to eat there. But I would say about going back to Justin's approach, he seemed to take more of the approach that I thought you thought he would. Yes. Was it the right? And it wasn't the right approach, was it? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, I mean, know. what approach do you want from him? He comes out. He knows he's dude. If you swing so hard that you knock yourself off balance, it didn't it didn't hurt him in the physical sense, but like. It was illustrative of what he was attempting. I don't know that that's the best approach okay, against look, a guy like Oliveira who can find those weird openings on you, man. Let's put a little bit of respect on, or, or you know, benefit of the doubt on Gaethje and say he just saw his opponent lose his title on the scales. And he's saying to himself, okay, I don't know the physical and mental damage that, that, that might affect Oliveira from this, right? You know, you had cut laid, didn't get under the number. So he knows Oliveira is going to be aggressive as shit. So I wonder if you're Gaethje, you know, you adjust your game plan to that and say, I've got to get him before he gets me. You And, and now in hindsight, okay, that's a bad strategy, but he knew Oliveira was going to come out there in that first round and just try to shut everybody up and, and, and not try to take this into deep waters. He had to know that. And to his credit, look, he dropped the champion twice. You know what I mean? Like Conor, Conor McGregor tweeting just 10 minutes ago because uh, Charles, uh, Charles, Charles Oliveira called out Conor McGregor which, you know, you can sort of understand because he wants to get paid. I get it. Quote from Conor McGregor, I'm not sure I wish to cut the weight because remember Chandler said he wanted to fight him at 170, so Conor's got some options. Quote, I am really enjoying being built like a refrigerator. I feel like I want to fight at this size just to watch it back, LOL. 
But I'd love to fight the Brazilian, 100%. I love Brazil, and I'm unbeaten against Brazil. All KOs, I have some thinking to okay, do. Okay, if you are Connor, is it in play that the UFC can give you the title shot 100%? Oh, my God. But in the, what, what are you looking at? The f <laughs> Just say it. The Canelo uh, Bivol scorecards. All fucking three judges gave Canelo the first four rounds. We'll get, the, get the F out of How here. How the fuck is that possible? Get we'll get to F that later. We'll get to that um, later. So here's the deal, Luke. If you're Connor. You just watched Oliveira in three straight title fights kind of get heard and come back and do it. You have to believe in your confidence of if he can be landed upon early, I'm the best first-round finisher in the game, you know, in terms of reputationally. So if you're Connor, you have to love that. But what does the UFC love more? A Connor Chandler fun pay-per-view all-action main event, and then we let Mah Mahachev go in there against, uh, against uh, Oliveira? Or do they love more? Let's put it all on the line and give Fuck, Connor that chance. Dude. You know so they I, love more. See? Let's put it there's all on the line and give Connor that chance. Dude, dude, Charles Oliveira, as good as he is, versus Connor McGregor, whether or not, whether, listen, does Connor deserve this fight? Not a not chance. A chance. Not, a chance. not a chance. What's that got to do with anything? Jack shit. UFC can make whatever fight they want to that the commission will approve, and they will approve that. So. But do you get the feeling, and I know we've talked about it before, that the UFC is hesitant on rewarding. Um, um, Islam? Islam Mahachev. Because he didn't do the... the, the, the I mean, here's the I'm thing. Not I'm not giving a reason why, but do you feel like they're slow... Like, but how, what, what else does he have to do to secure nothing, the title Nothing. Shot? It should be... Does he have to listen, be Chandler now? Is that it what should, that is? It should be Islam Makachev next. It should be... Habib, by the way, tweeting tonight as well, that yes. it, it, tagging Dana White and Sean Shelby, that it should be Islam, you know, lobbying for his guy. Is there any payback on Habib for retiring early by, by holding back? Nah, I don't think they're doing holding that. Back I mean, they, 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 they didn't do that. But listen, I, I do think that tonight... Um, it's so much more of an exciting fight for for the UFC's interests to have do Charles Oliveira this version of Charles Oliveira, dude. He's the he's what you want in a prize fighter. If he was so invincible, there would no be there would not be any dramatics. But he gets hurt and then finishes everybody else off. You get all of the theatrics in every direction. Which with the McCon dude Conor McGregor kind of gives you a lot of that as well sometimes. True, and if you're the UFC matchmakers and you're saying to yourself, okay, let's look at the let's look at the layout in the war room. Because Islam is going to not they're fight saying like Conor. He is not going to fight like Conor. Here's Connor. what they're saying to themselves: We believe that Islam Mahachev is going to be the last man standing in this division. Okay, but what's the best way to coronate this? What's the best way to crown him? Is it beating Oliveira? Or is it beating champion Conor McGregor? I know which is a big if, dude. He's got to go in there and beat Oliveira. But what's the best case scenario in crowning Mahachev? It's through Connor, dude. It's this basically Connor Habib too, with Habib in the corner as a coach this time, giving you Rocky Four vibes. I know that's like, oh, BC, it's stupid, it's romantic, it's theatrical, but that's the best case scenario. So I think you give Connor that chance. And guess what? If Oliveira beats him, which is expected, then Oliveira Mahachev is a monster fight, right? Yes. Yes, it is. That would be a monster fight. I just, it's hard to know what the UFC will do because to me, Islam's case is. A slam dunk. Good problems to have. Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not all that hard to figure out what, what should happen with him. Um, on the other hand, I would say that it would be really wrong to deny Islam. I don't, you know. But, dude, well, they announced the 276 card, so they have their National Fight Week card. They don't need Connor for that. They're not going to have John Jones for that, so I guess we can move on from that in that, in that particular thing. But getting back to uh, Charles Oliveira and all the damage from Friday, how much do you think does this, I don't know, undo it, but it, it erases a lot of the negativity. It's perfect. It's the perfect way to win. Yo, I got to a get text this dude outside, my fucking driver. Hang on. Yo, I just got texted by my driver too, bro. Let me do mine first as you answer this question. Dude, like we said, you know, how does Oliveira fix this? You come back and you win it. But you win it the way Oliveira does it. And getting hurt and then persevering, huh? that, that's the best possible way to, to repair any reputational damage in this because you want it the Charles Oliveira way, which is like, I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's a storybook. It's almost a storybook fix. You know, how do you fix a bad situation? You do exactly that. Yeah. You do it, you do it the way, even to be fair, that Dana likes it. Go in there all action, guns blazing style, show some heart, get off the deck, and finish that man. Yeah. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah. Pretty spectacular. You know who didn't do that? Huh? Women's straw weights. Yeah, let's talk about that for just a second. Dude, that people, okay, let me just say this. I didn't hear the commentary for this fight. I really wonder if they were being savaged by the commentary. Now, let me say something. I am not in any way suggesting that that fight ruled. 
it fight did not rule. It kind of was. It was. It was bad fight. It was. I mean, let's call it what it was. It was a bad fight. Yeah. Why can't you be honest about? That? Okay, but people are saying like, oh, Rose danced around. Yeah, she kept strong distance and like kind of kept Carla as far as at bay. I'm not saying this is any kind of robbery. I don't think that's the case. Carla won. Whatever. Like there was, there wasn't a lot of offense to go on. And when it doesn't, there's not a lot of offense to go on. You know, you can just sort of look at this and say, well, I mean, the, the judges are going to do what the judges are going to do. It makes, if you have three rounds or five rounds and there's a lot of offense, that too can be difficult to judge. But I would actually argue it's more difficult to judge when there's much less. In a sport in which you, your largest criteria by far in judging is damage and aggression, Rose and Carla showed neither in this fight. So I think when that happens... Like Adesanya versus Romero. Ooh, Oliveira did get pay-per-view points. Like Adesanya Romero, by the way, in which I said, look, I kind of almost scored that for Romero. And we say, I, I still look at that as a fault on Adesanya for taking the chance that he could have got backdoor screwed. Luke, I think that we underreported coming in, hey, that Whaley rematch against Rose. Did Rose... Dana White just saying winner of the Whaley and Ioana rematch gets Carla. Oh, boy. Gets Carla. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, look, but here's the deal, though. If you're if you're Dana, you can't reward Rose for this performance because Luke, here's what was we it really that bad. I, here's what, yeah, dude, it was. And here's I'm what not you, saying it was good. It was bad. Okay, but was it listen, like fucking, listen to this one point I make before you cut me off, okay, dude? Sorry, I like should we have learned from Rose Whaley too when Rose was too careful? I thought Rose did the better work. There was a hipster minority sort of like, hey man, Whaley might have won that. But my point is, Rose wasn't. She wasn't demonstrative enough in her output in that second fight. She left the back door open, Luke. This fight, she completely left the back door and the screen door open and basically invited everyone in her house. You cannot be mad when the judges scored against you when you did not go out of your way to leave, no doubt. That's At the end of the day, that should be a general rule in combat sports. Yes. But especially in elite UFC MMA, when damage and aggression are the... The, the, the main two things you look at. Not like in boxing where defense, ring generalship, some of the other things. Without a question, it's damage and, and aggression. She didn't show it, Luke. Well, it's, so, it's not really aggression. It's just damage. But I know no, no, no. It's, it's aggression. You know who said that to us recently? Rich Franklin. That's under, the, that's under, under, that's under their system, not 10-point must. True. I'll, I'll, I'll take a dead wrong on that. But, but Luke, like... You can't just bet on the judges but to, to your point. Yes, to you, can't, agree, you, can't, you can't cruise. Agree like that your painting was better art than the others when it looks exactly the same. Listen, right? to, listen to these numbers. So these again, these are these are quantitative, not qualitative. But listen to these numbers. You know, you're talking about Max and Volk having 30, 40, 50 strikes landing around. In round one, this is landed significant strikes. Four to four, Rose versus Carla. Round two, three to four. Round three. 11 to 9, that's better. Round 4, 6 to 8. Round 5, 13 to 5. That would be Rose over Carla. In, in, in any of those cases, 13 is low. And that was the high of either of them in this fight. Carla, 2 for 11 on takedowns. Rose, 1 for 1. The two came for Carla in round 4, which Dude, also it was an eight awful strikes. fight. It was an awful fight. Yeah, okay? there's just not. There's just they just didn't do much. They just didn't. They just didn't it was do a much. sparring session of circling around each other. Those numbers illustrate it, uh, dude. I, again, you know, I said Romero Adesanya. How about John Jones against Tiago Santos? I thought he was a little bit too passive, John Jones, and he could have lost that fight three rounds to two. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't do enough to leave no doubt. I feel bad for Rose, but how about this for how how awesome this division is? And Rose has already had a career that's sort of unique in her own right. But let's say. The, now we get Esparza versus the winner of Young Jacek, Whaley 2. That means if Rose wins in a comeback fight, and by the way, she's got to learn this lesson. It's, it's a lesson that needs to be learned. Rose versus the winner of that potential winner fight is either going to be Rose versus Esparza 3, Rose versus Young Jacek 3, or Rose versus Whaley Shang 3. Yeah. Luke. Like things have to happen for that to come back together. Unless someone, unless, gonna, so, unless someone comes rising through the ranks out of nowhere. That's yeah. wild, right? I mean, I mean, you know, could Mackenzie it, Dern's out there? Could it be Rose against Marina Rodriguez next? Or could Mackenzie Rose Dern's out there too? That's yeah, a, that's, a, that's a good fight, dude. That's, that's crazy, fight. dude. Yeah, this is. Um, listen, we, we we talked about Dan Tom from MMA Junkie picking as far as to win, but uh, it, not like this. He didn't pick it like this, right? Well, I don't know if anybody did. No. I don't know if anybody thought I, I could have, dude. I, for sure, I thought Esparza was a live dog. For sure. 
but I thought she was a live dog by virtue of what she could do in the wrestling department. I did not think if they stood for five rounds, again, the takedowns, the, to the total control from the two takedowns in round four for Esparza was 20 seconds, not much. And then the one takedown that Rose got in the fifth round, just eight seconds. It wasn't like these were prolonged ground battles. They barely touched the ground at all. So if you're telling me for all but basically 28 seconds that this was a fight for more or less they were standing up and that Carla would have won, I'd be like, shit, word? Like, Here's my final statement on this fight. In elite MMA and boxing, I always think a 10-10 round is a coward way out. They actually instruct judges in boxing to not do 10-10 rounds. Some do, but it's rare. Three of the five rounds are like slam dunk 10-10 rounds in this Esparza Rose rematch, right, Luke? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just no way to sort of confidently go in either direction. I don't want to say that if a fight sucks, Dana White should be allowed to come into the cage and be like, forget the judges. There's a no contest because neither of you, you know, put forth an effort that's worthy of a title win. But Luke, neither of these put forth an effort that was worthy of a title win. So that's right. So like as much as like, Okay, it makes sense to move forward with the business. Do Carla against the winner now of, of Rose versus or, or Joanna versus Whaley too? But at the same time, I'd rather see these three fight again a third time to get through who's the better of the two right now because we didn't learn that in this rematch, Luke. We didn't learn that shit. We didn't learn anything. Dude, Carla is two and zero against Rose Namajunas. Can you believe that? That is, I mean, of all the like sort of the weird things that you like. For example, I remember when Nogueira fought Mir. People were like, oh, yeah, Noguera's going to wipe the floor with him. It's like, well. Yo, he knocked that motherfucker out. Well, And he's it, tapped him, too, right? He broke his fucking arm in the worst break I've ever seen from a Kimura in MMA. Like, oh, worse than Tim Sylvia? Tim's was, like, here. But Noguera ended up looking like the dude who rushed the, the stage against Dave Chappelle. Oh, where his arm was all, like, yeah, fucked up like this. Yeah. Um, it was uh, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy moment. By the way, Dana White confirming that people can't walk out with flags anymore. Like, that's a thing now, so. Because the post by presser for Dana is going on right now. Also, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's going to hate that dude, shit. Dude, fucking Connor is killing Tony on Twitter. He posted this and just wrote, damn, bro. Uh, oh, that picture of Tony <laughs> Oh, bad, dude. dude. Let me show it here real quickly. I don't know if they can zoom in. Can you zoom in close enough? Oh, Tristan trying. He's trying. Here, Tristan, look real close. Oh, boy. And, and Connor, oh, sorry. Well, Con you get the idea. Is that Con the worst front kick loss in the history? There's three. That was the way Cheeto there. got... Frankie, remember? They had Frankie, the same look on his face. There's Machito, Randy, and then there's Silva, Belfort. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Dude, Connor is killing him on that. Uh, we should talk about that fight as well here a little bit. Um, I don't really have much to say about the co-main, to be honest with you, bro. Like, people kind of fucking hated it. No, I mean, let's give Tony credit. He came in in great shape. Yeah. He looked focused. First round, he fought great, right? I thought he won the first round. I agree. And hey, Dude, dude uh, the I don't know if it was what, what cheek it was. But there was like swelling under the eye of Chandler and like a big gash across his face. Like he was wearing it a little bit. What do you do now if you're matchmakers? What did you now do? Can you cut Tony Ferguson after four so, losses against Lee? So what Dana White is saying, if there's any kind of consideration here, Dana White is saying that one, they sent him to the hospital for evaluation, which is probably the right idea. And that two, he said, well, Tony looked great in the first round, but he should definitely take a long, a long break. But it's like, dude. He's, Didn't Dana say that Nick Diaz looked good in that fight against Lawler? I mean, come on. Well, he said he looked good relative to expectation. But my, my point about this is, like, dude, this is a very bad sign for Tony Ferguson. Yes, it is true that he looked to be in good condition, where Shogun looked like, you know, he did not look yes. to be in great condition. But Tony looked to be in, like, very good physical condition and did look pretty good with some of his striking in the first round. You know, I thought being the much more effective, damaging striker, certainly, in the first round. But this is the thing. We go back to Tony's uh, resume at this point, right? If you look at his losses prior to tonight, all career losses, okay? So he lost to Karin Darabedian years ago in 2009. He lost via decision. He lost to a guy by the name of Jamie Tony. He lost by, by submission. This was 2009, even pre-UFC. By the time he got to the UFC, he lost to Michael Johnson. That was via unanimous decision. Then he lost, didn't lose again until he lost to Justin Gaethje. That was TKO after a brutal uh, beating after four and a half rounds. Then he lost to Charles Oliveira via decision. Then he lost to Benil Dariush via decision. No one, quite literally, in the history of his career has ever put him out this way. So now you not only have one, two, three, four losses in a row, but they're getting worse. Problem is, even they're if getting he's going to come back against lower competition and win probably going to take damage in these fights going for the win. Right. 
He's got he's probably too good offensively to walk away, which can become a problem for an older fighter when when there's still guys he can you know that are decent that he can beat. Yeah, the idea that, that we're not making a claim that he can't win in the UFC, but against the elite guys he can. And, win and it's stage. hard when you know a lot of these guys who don't have a natural transition into own a gym and be coach or be broadcaster. And I don't know Tony's first you know side per, side issue you know what he's got going financially, but it's hard to tell a guy who at least can still fight a little to stop fighting. But at least on the elite level, dude, I mean, he's he's done. He's done. So if you're the UFC, is it more humane to give him some paydays and go out on his own terms? Or is it more humane to say goodbye and then he ends up, you know, fighting bare knuckles it's weird in because a Florida uh, carnival? It know? depends how expensive he is, one. And two, like, you know, Jim Miller and Andre Arlovsky, you know, they are very valuable for the UFC in a certain regard. Like, Jim Miller's taking all these, like, newcomers. Let's see if you're ready for this kind of thing. And for Andre, it's like, are you a good heavyweight or not? If you can beat him, so they're still valued. They're like, can Tony? Does Tony want to fill that Become role? Become a veteran gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah, veteran gatekeeper to an extent. Like, does he want that for himself? He's too he's, savage for that, dude. He's too. I mean, you know. And then the other part is like, dude, think about Andre's style. It's very careful now. Yeah. Think about Jim Miller. He's got real. Like, he doesn't take a lot of punishment if he can at all avoid it. Dude, Tony's whole style is just punishment centric. Yeah. E e even even if, even with a very good first round, he still can fight offensively. But I don't think his body can take what it needs to anymore. Dude, without 38, looking, I'm going to say it, 38 at 155 pounds, not a good place to be. Without looking, what's Tony's best win? Without looking. Best win. Pettis was a good win. Lee for the interim title? Lee was a good win because he had to come back from adversity. Pettis was a wild fight. Uh, Cerrone win was a good win, but not really. That wasn't really his best win. Uh, the Barboza win, dude. He walked Bar. See, everyone's kind of beating Barboza now, so it doesn't count. But Tony did it when no one else did it. He just walked him down. Walked him down and then fucking darsed him when people were not doing that to Edson Barboza. So that was a big fucking win as well. Oh, Dos Anjos. How about five rounds? That's it. Beating that's Dos Anjos in one. the sky that's in the Mexico one. City. Yeah, that's the, that's the fight. Right? That's a sick. Remember, he changed Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson was like, I was never the same yeah. after fighting Tony. Dude, Tony Ferguson's had some phenomenal, phenomenal fucking wins. He is worthy of your respect. He is a great fighter. Yeah, stop disrespecting him. But, but we need to acknowledge where we are. Four losses in a row. Yeah, which don't is let him fight anymore. Well, I'm not saying that, but like... This was this was bad, and this was for all the folks being like, "Oh, I saw some folks being like, those MK guys are not giving him the respect he's owed." Motherfucker, I've been covering Tony's career before you guys were even watching even MMA. Gifts from Tony at public workouts. I'm just pointing out, dude, you cannot, fa dude. Father Time is going to beat the shit out of all Your of us. Look time at me. Beat our look at today. <laughs> Father, I mean, Father Time. It wasn't for this tight haircut, right? Oh. Yeah, Father Time has wrecked me in BC, and it's going to wreck everybody else too, man, including prize fighters. Like you cannot avoid it. It is inexorable. This was a bad loss. Now, we should ask about Michael Chandler. Now he goes to 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Yes. You can put it whatever caveat you want on it. He beat Dan Hooker, who's kind of on a slide. He beat Tony Ferguson on a slide. And then his losses were to what? He had a loss to Oliveira. And he had a loss to, who's the other one he lost Justin to? Justin uh, Gaethje. Gaethje. But he had a war with Gaethje. He nearly beat Oliveira. Although I got to say. He's 4-0. I got to say, all these guys who are like, oh, I got so close with Oliveira. Yeah, everyone does, dude. It's only close in, ho in horseshoes, bro. And hand grenades. And hand grenades. He's 4-0, though, in winning our hearts and delivering awesome fights. How do you view his UFC run this far? 2-2. Two two. Awesome. Pretty fucking great, right? I mean, exactly what he said he was going to try to do. You know, not here for a long time, here for a good time. good time. I mean, it's exactly that. But as I talked about coming in, and I said, look, if he beats Tony and does it thoroughly, you know, could he cut everybody and get a touch? Dude, he absolutely could. I know he spent his time calling out Connor, and maybe financially that's the smart move. Actually, yes, financially that's the smart move. It's a smart move in every metric, to be fair. But, Luke, I would not be upset if he got the next title shot, would you? What if they just said, look, the first... The first fight over Oliver, Islam. The first fight against Oliveira no. was so wild. No. 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 Islam's more deserving, but Chandler does things that Dana likes, Luke. Yeah, he does things we all like, but no, you cannot do that. He just lost to Ch uh, to Gaethje one fight ago. Did you like when he brought his son on the top of the cage and it was hugged very him? Nice. That was whole the fight. The fight to make, and uh, on Twitter, Dustin Poirier was like, "Bout it, bout it." It's Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier. Early thoughts on Dustin uh, Poirier and Michael Chandler. What do you think? 
I mean, look, it's it's like the only two of these like two fucking hammers. of these all action hammers from the same division, same era, who didn't get to fight each other, right? Like Basically. Eddie Eddie fought Gaethje, Eddie fought Poirier, you know, and and of course Eddie and Chandler fought twice in, in another organization. But now we get if we get it, yeah, that that'd be that'd be great, Luke. Uh, two pieces of information here from Dana White. Number one. Dana White says if Volkanovski goes to lightweight, he'd be fine with an immediate title shot, champion versus champion. What do you think about that? Now, we don't have a champion Wait, lightweight. Wait, Volkanovski's got to fight Max a third time on I July think, 2nd. I think he's saying if he gets through that and he wants to move up, then he can get a title shot right away. Can we stop making future plans until people have to just saying, get through bro. Dimitri Bivol first? You know? Bro, I'm just saying. you got to remember that. Uh, and also... Um, yeah, Dana White confirming that they won't walk out with flags anymore. So that's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. White, they're going to go to Look how mall chins and spiked hair, Luke, at this angle, right? White says he wouldn't. <sighs> well, Dana White says that he would still love to see Makachev versus Dariush. I don't love that fight. But after tonight, he also wouldn't mind doing Oliveira versus Makachev either. I got to tell you, how that come, doesn't That's not. That doesn't bode well for Islam. How come no one's making Makachev fight Poirier? Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, White calls Chandler's KO the most vicious he's ever seen. Dude, that's an all-timer KO right there. It was. That's an all-timer. Do you know it was an all-time experiment that failed? The, 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 our yeah, live show. Our live show. You know, because what were we thinking? People said they liked it, but I... I don't I, think... That, here's what they liked. They like us. Yeah. And they love the idea of a live show because they've always wanted it from us, Right. And then they confused themselves into thinking it was good. But, Luke, we mixed business with pleasure, and that's not good, okay? I can't be sitting here drinking out of a can and then trying to score fights, so like, hard. seriously, and, and do write news reports and write new Like, what a horribly bad, unprofessional idea it was to do this tonight. Uh, White says that people from outside the U.S. switch scales to kilograms, and it messes with the scale. White says they will likely have a security guard with the unofficial scale in the future. What the Dan's fuck like, is fuck this? the metric system. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like Yo, that. Yo, fuck meters. Yeah, yeah. Um, White says that Chandler versus McGregor would be a fun fight, but that Connor is hurt and not ready, so they won't explore the potential opponents until he is ready, in which case they want to move Chandler ahead. They will. Um, okay, okay, okay. Uh, White says, oh, recent comments from Anderson Silva confused him. Really? They confused you? Firearm to your dome. Who gets the next shot of that, Oliveira? Firearm to your dome. Makachev. I just don't think they do it for Connor. Chandler, dude. You think so? Uh, going, getting back to Anderson Silva, White says that he never said anything bad about Silva and doesn't get where it's coming from. I, I might have an idea. I think I know. White says that he'd been pushing for Jake Paul to box Anderson Silva. Yeah, okay. Um, Shogun Hua has one more fight left on his contract. No. And Dana says he's going to give it to him. Jesus. <sighs> What do you think? Uh, trilogy with OSP or, or what? I mean, what are we doing? What do we got? What do we got here, bro? Dude, you know where Shogun should be? He should be in BKFC, bro. Stop! No. Why? Let him go out there and just knuckle some of these fuckers into the dirt. Um, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Hold on, hold on. We're not done yet. We're not All done right. yet. Sit All down. Right. Sit down. We gotta All finish. Right. All right. I, I, I don't want to be here any more than you do. We really need to finish. Sit, sit your ass. Down. I will. You just talk. All right. Daniel Cormier making to the Hall of Fame. I mean, completely deserving. I like yeah. the emotion out of DC there to bring up his late parents. And I mean, look, what else do you want to say? They have no like weight period or criteria. 11 and 7, Matt Sarah got in on one day's notice after his retirement, it seemed like, you know. But what are you going to say about DC? Uh, a guy who, let's not forget, Luke, dude, when he knocked out Stipe, it felt like he joined that upper room. 
It did feel like in that it moment. Did. Yeah. That and it's hard big. to take that away from him, but I think you'll go to the same grave I will one day saying, if you're DC, why'd you stop wrestling after the first round of the Stipe rematch? Canelo told the media he thought that Bivol didn't win more than four, maybe five rounds. I don't think people watch. What the fuck is know, he talking about? I don't know if they know how to watch boxing anymore because, again, I Canelo doesn't know how to watch boxing? No, well, Canelo was watching it from a, the inside view. It was too close to the action, right? You know what I'm saying? But um, I don't get how anybody online, including people I respect, are like, you know, okay, you know, six rounds to four. Seven rounds to five. Eight rounds to four. All right, can you just contextualize how big this win is? How monumental is it? All right, let's get back into regular mode then. Real quickly, how, how big is it? Canelo Alvarez losing seven to five, basically, on the judges' scorecard. All right, it's big from the standpoint that Canelo is the biggest star in the game, and he turned down seemingly easier fights for a lot more money and exposure to continue to try to knock on the door history. I don't fault him for finding out that it was a bridge too far because you have to find out your own limitations. Right. And he was getting on such a stupid, almost a stupid dare-to-be-great level of like, God, maybe I'll fight at the cruiserweight level for the title. Maybe I'll fight Usyk at heavyweight. I, 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 the part of the reason why I predicted this loss was, you know, I, I started to believe Adesanya could do anything when he was talking about going up to light heavyweight and then beating Jones at heavyweight, and then we're like, maybe he is the special one, you know? And and and, and then to see him get humbled by Blahovich, it was like, okay, um, th this is not a, a loss that hurts Canelo at all, in my opinion, okay? Because it's so far out of the the, the realm of his prime, and he's facing an unbeaten champion who, again. Nobody freaking looks good against and just fought the fight of his life. But, Luke, I'm very surprised to hear him, him be the first one in the interview to bring up the idea of a rematch. Now, in Canelo's eyes, he thought he won and then lost 7-5 to five on all three scorecards. But, Luke, can we still be, like, open and fair about this? 7-5 to five is not – that's not a 7-5 to five fight. That means that – You had it 11-1. to one. And even if you think I'm extreme, find me more than three rounds. Canelo could have won, Okay. So this would have been one of those situations where, let's say I scored it, you know, seven rounds to five for Bivol, it would have been a Canelo win, right? Or eight rounds to four for Bivol, it would have been a Canelo win. Why does Canelo think he can come back and, and change the results of this fight? And why should he try to go back unless he has... Dude, what is it about Canelo that they keep giving him scorecards? Benson Henderson in his prime was that way too. He would just magically get them. And you'd watch these fights and you'd be like, dude, I get that. Normally, you're not... it's because. There's certain people that the judges so, seem to find very. The argument for Canelo, oh, outside of just saying corruption or whatever, the argument for Canelo in a lot of these close fights was that he does land the harder shots and he's very efficient. He doesn't miss a lot of shots. So you can score it that way. This wasn't that fight. He didn't land anything, Luke. I mean, he didn't do, really do anything. Are you as surprised as me that he's, he wants to run this back? I don't think there's a lot to gain because think about it. He already beat Kovalev and knocked him out to get that moment of another world title at another weight class. Unless he feels like becoming the undisputed champion at light heavyweight is somehow the only way to like add to his resume to a certain degree, why would you put through this much effort to, to have the chance of taking a second loss against a guy like Bivol who's just bigger than you and just better than you? Do you know what I'm saying? Not he, better than you overall, right. but better than you in this matchup, in this division, right? right? I don't see how Canelo's going to come back and win that Okay. Fight. What does this do to Triple G? Because both of those guys apparently in the ring were saying that they want to do the rematch. Now, I'm not saying that, to your point, he, he's a 175. Like, that's not what you're up against against Look, in theory, G. But, but this is the thing. If they make the rematch, does it push off the Triple G fight to the point where they just don't get around to it or they whatever? might. So the question is, I think, you know, Canelo, Eddie Hearn, DAZN, they're all going to have to sit down and say, you know, does it hurt to just go fight Canelo, to go fight Triple G a third time now at 168? No. Canelo is the... The undisputed champion there. If they still want to do the Triple G one, then do it. But I think the thing is, Luke, Canelo's never really been interested in it. So this might actually kill it. And it comes down to Canelo. He's got all the control. But yes, if you did B-Ball a second time and you push Triple G to next year, well, look, he's going to be, you know, closing on age 41. You know, he's just not the same guy anymore. Um, I, I think ball landing 152 punches, just 84 for Canelo. Oh, I mean, 84. So Canelo's second... Fewest output in a fight, Luke, was his 2013 loss to Floyd Mayweather when he landed 117 punches. He's landed 84. Jesus. Against, and no, dude, against 40, the, 46 jabs for Bivol, just 10. Yeah, and against Canelo. Mayweather, by the way, he wasn't in that fight at all. Like, right. even for a second, dude, he wasn't in this fight either. So, Luke, you don't hold this loss against Canelo. In fact, I'm going to sit here and say congratulations, Canelo, because you tried to find your limits, and you found them for now, Okay. What he does next is interesting. I don't think he should go back and fight Bivol again. Because even if he won that, Luke... He's going to. But even if he won that, it's like, 
we'd be like, okay, great. But like, you've already won a belt before at light heavyweight. If I'm him, I go to 68. I take the big money Benavides fight and I shut people up for that. I take the Jamal Charlo fight moving up. I make a ton of money. I defend my 68 titles in the weight class where he's just dominant at. Okay, let me ask a question. We work for CBS Sports and occasionally Showtime. So we are biased, but let me just ask the question. Yo, he took this, he had a choice to go to PBC and yeah. fight Charlo yeah. and, uh, and a couple other guys, Benavidez or whatever, uh, maybe Spence, depending on how they want to do it, or he went to the DAZN side. Now, he's going to get paid either way, and again, I don't fault him for taking the, the Bivol And he fight. did sign a multi-fight deal with DAZN. Right, he did. Was it a mistake? I mean, you're getting paid so much, and he didn't take that much damage. It's not really I mean, look, a mistake, in theory, but... even if he wanted to fight those PBC guys, they could still come over across the street for their biggest fight ever and fight him there if, if he wanted to. But um, I don't know. Look, we'll have to see how the end of this deal goes. But um, I think the bigger question is if he runs back the fight with Bivol and loses a second time. Terrible. You know, then we then we have to. I mean, look, you know that, that happens. Shane Mosley moved up and fought Vernon Forrest twice and 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 lost both. And they moved up again and fought Winky Wright twice and lost both. Sometimes a guy just has your number stylistically, but uh, I, maybe we spent too much time talking about Canelo because Dimitri Vival just came out and put on a master class. Yeah, I mean, that's the fight of his life. Dan, Dan Rayfield was saying he talked to Canelo and asked him if he would reconsider and fight Triple G next, and he said he was non-committal. <laughs> Like, uh, dude, this is a, this is a humbler for Canelo, right? And I like that he didn't complain too much afterwards, and he gave Bivol the respect. But this is a oh shit, dude. Maybe I'm not. It's hard to say. What is he not, Luke? He's not Superman, right? He's human. But he picked the wrong guy, dude. Pacquiao picked the wrong guy in Ugas last minute. A guy who's just too skilled, too right. smart. Different circumstances, but yeah. the wrong guy, man. By the way, the winners of the Crypto.com UFC fan bonuses, I guess the fans vote, paid in Bitcoin. Oliveira at number three at 10K. Chandler number two at 20K. Would you like to guess who the number one person was? Not Chandler and not Oliveira. Tony. Um, close. How about Rose? I mean, what a stupid prize that everyone is telling me that, like, she didn't deserve to win and that this was a terrible fight. We were the worst fight in UFC history. And that we have a chance to give like money to somebody else on the card who could really use it. I'm not against Rose getting money, like God bless her, but like y'all are telling me one thing and then you're voting for her on the other yeah. side. Get your shit together. I'm done. You done? I mean, these scorecards in this Canelo fight are, are just baffling, terrible, dude. Terrible. Terrible. Tim Cheatham, who scored at seven, they all scored at seven five. Bivol. Tim Cheatham gave the first four to Canelo and round nine. Dave Moretti gave the first four to Canelo and round nine. Yeah. Steve Weisfeld gave the first four to Canelo and round nine. You watched those opening four rounds, albeit we're splitting TVs, but how the hell are you giving those to Canelo? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I for I one thing, he was taking a lot of snapshots and not even throwing a lot. It really wasn't until the middle rounds he's really just trying and frustratingly coming up empty. Dude, every time Canelo landed one good shot, Two three punch combination back at him. Yeah. What what are, what are we missing here? I don't know. Are you ready? Call it a day. I don't know what to think about this night. I went in the other room. They're like, "Yo, BC was great, man. People loved it. People seem to like it. Yo, they people have bad taste." Yeah. Well, I have to go sit in the car for five hours. So, <laughs> can we wrap this up? We got haircuts uh, tonight. We had donuts tonight. Uh, let's remind no, we everyone. We didn't have donuts. We got haircuts tonight. We did that too. Thanks to Dion Dion from Albania for the uh, Yo, money haircuts. His, he, he, he cuts at uh, Etiquette Barbershop, and that's E-T-I-K-E-T, -E um, Jersey City. If you're local, come down and see Dion. Look at my holy clothing. Yeah. Uh, thanks to uh, everyone who watched either this stream or the other one. We'll be back on Monday live at 11 a.m. for a full Weekend uh, recap picture of the whole nine yards. You think that's a moth hole? It looks like it's just we're both trifling. I mean, that's what it <laughs> comes down to. We're just some trifling pieces of shit that somehow we've convinced large corporations to give us money. Um, but we're done here. So we want to thank Showtime. I want to thank the crew at Molka here who have been like, yeah, do they work around the clock? Steady working with us, uh, like with the stupidest hours imaginable. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Mikey Mormile who traveled up from Florida to come be with yeah. us here. Thank you to Matt Snyder, for, to Courtney, to Brandon Wise from CBS Sports, everybody who came up to make this weekend. You guys made this possible. We have, a, we have a lot of really cool stuff that we shot that we did not get a chance to release, but of course we will. It's all planned. It's all strategic, so we're, we're really excited about it. 
Give us some feedback. Morningcombat at gmail.com. What'd you think of everything that you saw? And um, Yo, raw nuts. Brazilian nuts, okay? All right. To help so, your tea. So for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. This has been Morning Combat. I'll see you guys next time. Ass barf. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.